Hello, how many today? Just the two of us. Uh, follow me this way. <laughs> oh, Ch uh, Chadbot. What? You're, you're those gentlemen from the radio show, aren't you? Yeah, that's us. Gerald? Yes, Gerald. The cribbage guy. How's that going? Did you end up automating cribbage scheduling? I, <laughs> I did. Things are going much better now. <laughs> did you just end up printing the sign-up forms and putting them on the wall? What I did was I made a mobile app with Glide. What? I set all my friends up as users, and now they opt into play sessions from their phones and get reminders before each game. Wow. Well, good for you, Gerald. It's great to see you. And thank you again for the advice. You didn't tell him to make a mobile app, did you? No, I think we told him to just keep it simple. <clears throat> you can scan this code to get our menu. Uh, can I start you off with anything besides water today? Just club soda for me. Do you have any sort of fruity lemonade? Real sassy. We have a strawberry and a raspberry limonade. How much is your strawberry lemonade? It's... 2.35. Oh, how big is it? It's about, uh, well, uh, one of these cups like this one here. And refills? Um, refills are 80 cents. 80 cents? Yeah. Well, do you have a smaller size? Uh, no. I'll just take water. Uh, okay. What? Need me to spot you some lemonade money stats? Hey, my money don't jiggle jiggle. Can you pass me the coaster with the QR code thing. Gosh, I'm so sick of these. The trouble with looking at these menus on mobile is that they're so small. Do you need me to hold your phone out for you? Is it too close? Don't scan those QR codes. What's that? Those QR codes. I, I saw on the news you'll get a computer virus. From QR code? Yes, it put a friend of mine in the, in the, hosp <coughs> in the hospital. Okay, Gerald. You ever used QR codes before? Like when I'm automating stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I never have. You definitely see them a lot more now, though, right? Ever since, you know, what happened. The pink eye outbreak. The old pink eye, yep. We ought to take a look at QR codes more. Maybe there's something useful we could do with them. You use them every day. Witchcraft. Restaurants. Business cards. Web links. Dark magic. QR codes have become part of daily life, but can they be Protect used to- Protect yourselves from this sorcery. Okay, there are security concerns, but can we use them in our day-to-day -to, -day to automate the stuff we do? You shall not scan. Chill out, Gerald. We're digging into QR codes this week on Automation Town. Okay, what are the contexts in which we encounter QR codes today in our day-to-day Restaurant menus is an obvious one. Maybe that's a way to maybe that's a way to kick this off. Where do you see them in the wild? Oh, um, mostly in two different places. But you're right. Like you're seeing them more and more. And like, do you remember a time when QR codes? I mean, they still kind of are the butt of all jokes. But 
Do you remember when they were so the butt of all jokes and almost nobody was using them? They were Apex butt joke. I feel like they were the thing before chatbots. Yeah. When chatbots like five or six years ago was like, wow, this is how everything is going to get done now. I feel like before that it was QR codes. Yeah. There's even a like a book that a guy named Scott Stratton made about QR codes, making fun of them. Shout out to Scott. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, Scott. Yeah. Like where do you see them? Restaurants. You see them, you know, Airbnbs or Verbos. That's how you say, right? Instead of VRBO, Verbos, I guess. Couldn't tell you. Whatever. Um, but yeah, but for Wi-Fi passwords, I think you're seeing them more and more to connect to Wi-Fi if you're in a shared space or in a rental unit. Um, have you seen it any other places? It's used in a lot of marketing contexts, I think. Like I was sitting in a movie theater and it was actually humongous, like a third of the screen. It's like a little ad that rolls before the previews. And there's a humongous QR code because it's genuinely a better way of getting to a website, right? Like yeah. you think of all the times we see URLs, how many URLs a day do you think you see? Yeah. And the friction of having to pull it up, type it in, especially as URLs are getting longer and more complex. That's a great use case for them is just to be able to scan that thing and pull it up. Mm -hmm. Well, it used to be a time when phones really couldn't scan them unless you had a native app for it. Yeah. So I think that's really kind of what's driving some of the adoption too. And I want to just state the obvious. Like I'm not anti-QR code anymore like it was. Let's get that right out yeah, there. Yeah, five no. years. We don't want those people getting on our case. <laughs> I, I like them a lot. They're good people. Used in the right circumstances like your movie theater, it, it can be pretty useful. You see them on business cards too, kind of like where you're taking the physical world and you're trying to merge it with the digital world. You know what I saw the other day? I uh, Don't tell me you saw a QR code on an email signature. Oh, gosh. No. But <laughs> you know the little, uh, you're an Android guy. So little uh, iOS widgets. I was chatting with somebody and I was like, yeah, I had to follow up with you on this and that. The guy whips out his phone and like in under a second... Swipes over to his widgets, and one of the widgets is just a little QR code. And he's like, yeah, grab this. This has got all my details. I was like, that's really clever, just on his phone screen. And then our phones touched, and we had a little moment. <laughs> and he's like, you don't have to touch it. You can j you just look you at it with just... your camera. I was like, oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, look, there's, there's lots of uses. And like you can be super uber lazy, too, with QR codes and say, okay, I'm only going to use these for websites. And... Yeah, maybe if you send it to the right place, to the same place all the time, and it's you know very easy to generate, and you print it out, you're good. But I mean, QR code generation has gotten so cool. There's logos, there's colors, there's shapes. It's so cool. Okay, so one thing I want to interject here before we get away from context in which you see them, I stumbled into this when doing a little bit of research. So Alipay, yeah, in China. Alibaba, that whole kind of thing, like evidently powers a huge percentage of merchant checkout stuff in person as well as online. But in 2011, they rolled out QR code based payments. And now in China, in retail situations, 83% of all payments are made via a mobile device. And that was actually as of 2018. So you're checking out, Alipay uses a QR code for that merchant that's at the counter. You scan it with your phone and that's how you complete checkout. You still get looks every time you whip your phone out to pay with stuff at the corner store. Yeah, it's weird. But like, isn't that like funny that that's not more of a thing here? Yeah, 
I mean, I don't know. It's funny. It's a little sad. I mean, it's, it's, we all carry our, we all carry our phones around and it'd be nice to, to use it more. It's a little sad. Truth be told, I lost my physical credit card somewhere in this house four months ago. Can't find it, but I didn't cancel it because it's sitting digitally on my phone. So it'll show up once we clean this place or try to find it, but it's sitting on the phone and I'm using it uh, every time I use my credit card. So, okay. So you were just getting hot on cool looking QR codes. Here's the thing. The coolest QR code I've ever seen is what Apple's doing now. Have you ever encountered this with like device setup? No. They have their own like proprietary, like unbelievably cool swirly pixel kind of matrixy thing that is like a digital thing on a screen and you scan it but it's like, it looks nothing like a QR code. It's like a pixel-based visualization that's moving, mm. but it functions as a QR code. And I'm sure it's something that they just built themselves. But it got me thinking about like, man, like how cool can QR codes be these days? And I was poking around and it was like, oh, they could be different colors and slightly different configurations. But I couldn't find anywhere to generate something that was actually customized or cool looking. But I feel like in the wild... I've encountered some pretty awesome ones. I just don't know how to do it myself. We're not gonna talk about the functionality of what QR codes do. We're just gonna talk about making cool looking things. Okay, good. So You can turn over to Restoration Town if that's not good enough for you. That's right, that's right. I once thought about cheekily, is cheekily a word? Cheekingly, I don't know. Putting a QR code on the back of the RV as we were traveling down the road and then having people scan it and just putting the words like, do not scan <laughs> above of it. And then like, see how many car accidents happen. See how many people like actually look at your company's website as you're going down the road. Then I realized, I don't know, sometimes I might not be a great driver or something and pass somebody and yeah. there we go. Let's call that company. <laughs> so anonymity is probably better in those circumstances. Yep. But there are so many QR generation tools out there. And because this is automation based, being able to do this through an API is par for the course for a lot of these apps. So if you want to make an API call to them, sometimes like most of the time it's free. And I've, I've rarely found one that you've had to pay for unless you want fancy, fancy kind of logos for them. Logos, the corners can be different shapes. The middle can be little diamonds or squiggly lines or nice little lines. Like there, if you Google um, or go to a company called qrcode-monkey.com, they've got some probably the best looking QR codes that you can get for free. It was QR QR monkey. QRcode-monkey.com. It's one of them. They're all set up through Rapid API, and you can change things like, you know, the squares, the mosaics. You can have frames around them. Add your own logo. Logos. Yeah. And then you can just have different sizes so that they they scale properly. It can be transparent. They can be colored. Logos in the background of the QR code, like they don't have to look just like black squares anymore. I'm surprised more restaurants don't don't do this. Huh. The uses for QR codes that kind of pop up that you know you kind of don't see in the wild very often are things like contact cards. Yep. You remember V cards? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. So you can use them to like have a V card show up. I think a nice one is actually an app redirection. 
So there is a actual kind of parameter in QR codes where you can bring up a page and it can either go to the Google Play app store or the app store, depending on the device you, that you're on, or if you just want to show both options and then the person can click onto it. Uh, you've got your, you've got your app you can bring up like PDFs, coupons, MP3s, videos, images, all kinds of stuff. And it's typically free. So I've used this at our house for Wi-Fi, put it up right like kind of next to the door and just threw up a, a Canva template. And I typed in just Wi-Fi sharing as the, as a search. And there's like 80 or a hundred different Wi-Fi sharing templates for you to, you know, connect to that. It's like co-working places. They should all have that instead of that, like the name and the password, it'd be super easy to connect that way. So you printed that out then, did you? I did print that out. <laughs> Wow. Way to throw that one back in my face. So QR codes are coming along, Jason. So a nice thing to me about the QR codes is from a marketing standpoint, you can go one step beyond just a URL. Like you can package information in there that will tell you when the person loaded that URL where they came from. So for example, if you are at a conference and maybe you paid to put a pile of flyers in three different places, you can use three distinct QR codes there and you're gonna know how many times each of those different things were hit. Yep. So in-person marketing, I think there's some interesting kind of compelling things to do there. In my business, I know you're real big on portals. We've got kind of a portal system that is a mobile app. People can hop in and like access their tax returns, financial statements, stuff like that, if they wanna self-service and grab that stuff. And much easier than saying, okay, go out to your Play Store, or go out to the App Store and go search for this thing and then download it. Being able to give them a QR code, like in context of saying like, Hey, like there's a better way to do this, go out to the mobile app and being able to give them that QR code in context is pretty handy. Kind of like just the typing in the URL thing. Like it's a quicker way to get you to a specific place. And I feel like that's probably the best use cases for these things is when you want to make getting to a thing as frictionless as possible. Like an instruction manual. What, what do you mean an instruction manual so, for your phone? I don't know. You buy a power tool. And maybe you want to see a video of how you're supposed to assemble this thing. Ooh. Oh, yeah. There you go. Can't have videos on paper. So like, hey, watch this video and it'll help you install this thing. I've actually seen that on a couple of things I bought in the past. It was like really well received. I've seen that in the context of reordering. If there's something where you have to reorder, put that QR code on there, make it as easy as possible to get another thing. It's kind of like we talked about those, uh, what were those Amazon Prime buttons or what were they? Yeah, dashes, Amazon dash buttons or something. Dash buttons, yeah. Same kind of thing where you want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to buy that thing again. In fact, if you're a like a consumable product seller type person, like if you're selling, what a great way to say that, if you're selling toilet paper or something like that, I guess that breaks down if you're not DTC and selling it yourself. But if you sell products DTC, man, slap a QR code on there if it's something that's consumable. That's right. Unless you eat it, <laughs> that wouldn't work. Last thing I wanted to mention was QR codes have a lot of power with like marketing tools. So a lot of the companies that are creating custom links for tracking, like Jot URL and Tiny URL and all these other ones, yeah, you can create QR codes and then do all kinds of A-B testing based on devices and locations. You can change the actual target URL of where this thing goes if you needed to later. It's 
kind of nice to use a system like that. Oh, buckle up, clammy hands. Take like an Airtable form, for example. You can pre-fill fields in the URL, right? And now you can even hide those pre-filled fields, which is sweet. That's right. Different QR codes for different contexts where it's going to pre-fill different parts of that form. So if you already know something about the completion of that form based on where that person is or where that QR code happened, you can pre-fill that data for them. Mm -hmm. If you want to generate, you know, for example, customer questionnaires, maybe you mail out these questionnaires, but you want to give them a digital path also, you could contextually build into the QR code that goes on that person's deliverable the information that you already have for them and pre-fill it into that questionnaire using the URL from the QR code. That's a pretty sweaty QR code. This is sweaty. Yeah. I don't know. I've never used one of these tools to track QR code activity, but I just hate to put so much effort into a QR code. Like imagine how many restaurants just have a straight URL to like a company that they hired to put their menu out. And like that company goes bankrupt or they switched companies and now they have to replace all these QR codes that are on every single menu and every table and every coaster. Just kind of makes sense that you build them dynamically from the beginning. Well, actually, that's a thing worth pointing out is not all QR codes are dynamic. So QR code services, you can have QR codes that just go directly to your website, for example, or you have QR code services that actually redirect you to the website. And so there's one step in the middle there. And I don't know who does this. Maybe QR Code Monkey does this. But the flexibility there of it going to QR Code Monkey first is you can change the destination of that QR code that's already out in the wild. Yeah, that's the jot URLs and the tiny URLs and all that stuff, yeah. So that's the upside of having a middleman there. The downside to your point is, yeah, they go out of business uh, it's not actually going to get to where you want it to go to. So they don't necessarily have to be dynamic, I don't think. I think they can go directly to you. The problem is once they're out there, you can't change where they go. Yep. Or if you pull some sort of guerrilla marketing stunt and then you want to change it after the event, you can't do that. <laughs> so we were just talking about this with the conference we're both going to, putting these things all over the place, bathroom stall doors, all that. The problem is it ties back to you, but what you're saying is, they self-destruct basically, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> or redirect to somebody that you don't like. Rick roll. Oh, okay. So like self-expiring QR codes. You nailed it, Steph. You could even put on the QR code that, that like self-destructs in 24 hours. Well, you could build like a fun little game around that. I guess. I don't know if fun's the right word, but yeah. <laughs> or, or game, but uh, it's something. Okay. It's quarter to eight. We probably ought to start heading over to the Grum. Wait, I got to run home real quick. Shower. I'll meet you right there. Hey, Paul. Jason. Well, it's Clark. Hi, Clark. <laughs> well, well, well. If it isn't the automation show, boys. Jason and Chaz, is it? He goes by Chadbot. No, that's not any better. How's that 7 o'clock show slot treating you? Oh, a lot better than the 8 o'clock slot. Yeah, well, I can tell you that. That's awful early for a CD show like Copulation Show. <laughs> I heard you got one of my callers last week. Look, it was an honest mistake. There was a lot Well, it's a on. pleasure to see you as always, Clark. Oh, I'm sure it is. Hello. Hello, Chaz. Who was that guy? That's Clark. Host of Compulation Show. Ooh. 
from that seven o'clock show. Yeah, that guy's kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's got the time slot we want. Yeah, I don't like that guy. He's kind of a jerk. It is a good show, though. Got me out of a couple pickles. Definitely helped me out, too. Same. Uh, we're live in 30, guys. Hello again, I'm Jason Stats with my friend Chad Davis on Automation Chill. 104.3 The Buzz. On 104.Mr. Buzz. We're here until 9, taking all of your calls about automation. Let's go to the phones. Gloria, you are alive. What in the world? You are alive with Automation Chill. Hi, guys. Sounds like you've got some friends with you, Gloria. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so I run a cat shelter. You wouldn't know it. We uh, recently replaced all our legacy litter boxes with, um, it's called a litter robot four by whisker. Did you just say legacy litter boxes? Yeah. Litter robot. They're smart home connected litter boxes. I gotta look this up now. Wow, look at that, Chad. That is nice. So for listeners at home, it is a super fancy litter box, almost like a clothes dryer, tumbler looking thing. Gloria, I imagine you have an entire fleet of these. Yes, we have six of them. Oh, look out. And I know we can connect them to the smart home stuff, but I'm not sure where to start. I have the best job. This is great. Thank you for the call, Gloria. Thanks, guys. Okay, so the litter boxes look like they have IFTTT support. Here are the actions you can do. Start a scoop cycle, fetch a history of litter box events, or get litter box insights. <laughs> hmm. Insights. Okay, check out some of these recommended automations. I'm reading these straight off the IFTTT site. Tell Alexa to trigger scoop the poop to start a litter box clean cycle. Very nice. When the litter robot cycles, send over the Roomba to vacuum. That's a good idea. That actually makes a lot of sense. When the litter robot is full, oh, turn the Philips Hue light to purple. Yeah, DEFCON purple. Sound the klaxon. <laughs> this is incredible. Okay, litter box automations. Where do you even start with that, Chad? You got a whole fleet of cats, whole fleet of litter boxes. How do you build a system around that? I think we just did with all of those IFTTT triggers and actions. Um, do you have a cat? I don't now. I grew up with cats. I didn't grow up with cats. I had a cat when I grew up. Okay. Gotcha. You might be better to answer this than me. I've never owned a cat before. Only dogs. Well, I can tell you the poop. <laughs> Normally you're going to like, I'm, I'm thinking back to childhood chores. There was a specific times in the week when it was my duty to go out there and do the thing. And it was on a schedule. So I don't know if there's any need to complicate it here. Assuming the bigger your cat population, the more regular in aggregate they ought to be. So I would think that like a schedule ought to work just fine. Unless, ooh, here's a problem. These cats develop the, like favored boxes. Mm. So if you don't have an even distribution, that could be problematic. So a basic version of this is with IFTTT just scheduling it, like once at eight in the morning, once at eight at night, and then have Alexa read the insights to me before I go to bed. <laughs> Problem is if you've got load balancing issues across the litter boxes, right? and I don't know if there's anything that like actually detects the need to scoop, or if that even happens, if that's even like a thing that it does automatically. It's gotta be. I suspect it would. It is. I'm, I'm on the site now, it says no scooping, automatic tumbling. Sensors. So we don't need to tell it when to scoop, but we can definitely use IFTTT to build out the environment around what's happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, we could congratulate the cat okay. with like a series of light shows sure. and videos of other cats or I don't know what 
cats like. You've never had a cat. Never Let's go to our cat. next caller here. Who we got? Okay, we've got, what a way to kick off the night. Uh, Jeff, you're on Automation Show Live. Howdy, boys. Howdy. Howdy. So I run a small service business, and we're really leaning into no code to be more efficient. Love to hear it. I've started pulling more of my team into automating, and my software bills are skyrocketing. I think we're being wasteful with how we're setting things up. Curious if you have any tips for minimizing the monthly operations you're using? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Great question. It's especially hard when new folks are starting out. They're hacking things together, not thinking of efficiencies and that stuff can get pretty spendy, especially if you have to pay for it up front. I know I'm guilty of this, Jason. Ooh, this looks shiny. I'll try it out. Oh, it's only 10 bucks. Feels like it's going to fix something. 45 days later, you forget what the name of that company even was, but the credit card charge goes through. Oh, yeah. And the charge is actually the name of a different company, and you will never find what that software is. Yeah. In there. I think I'm guilty of that right now. I think this is one where you start with spreadsheets, right? You mentioned this last time. It's the ultimate MVP. So how do I get my data into spreadsheets? Well, there's lots of API connectors. They all cost 5, 10, 15, 20 40 bucks, 60 bucks, 60. 80 bucks, 120 even. So yeah, I bet you if you looked into my API connectors thing in Google Sheets right now, there's probably five or six different subscriptions that are running that I never use, which is a really good reminder. Thank you very much, Jeff, because I think I'm going to go back and save some money now. But on a serious note, how do you track this stuff normally, Jason, when when you're looking at your, your SaaS spend and your monthly spend on credit cards? I was waiting for that to come back around to Jeff's question, but yeah, I'll answer it. It's a big problem. So as even like, especially as your team gets bigger, one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. There's a lot of like tier waste too, where you're like on a tier that you don't need to be on or some users need to be on the tier other users don't. Honestly, like this is a big, it's a big thing right now. I've actually seen dedicated corporate cards for SaaS spend now mm -hmm. where they will, for example, have a deep understanding of, Dropbox's licensing and they will manage that spend and say like, hey, Tina could actually go to this tier or that tier and like actually like advise you on ways you could optimize that. That's really clever. Yeah. In terms of like operations specifically for like a make or a Zapier, like if those things are set up in very wasteful ways, they can consume 10 times more operations than they actually need to. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's just something that I've, I think I've gotten better at over time, you talked about this in the make episode, Chad, how oftentimes you make something humongous, but there's a way smaller, more efficient way to make it. So in my business, nobody's allowed to put anything in production until I've approved it. So if you've got people that are new who are still learning, like the way I've got it set up, like there's an approval workflow so that Jim doesn't set up something that's requiring three times the operations that it needs. And that creates a teaching opportunity where you can look at it together and you say like, hey, let's change this, let's change that. Look at the before and after on the operations. So if I had a suggestion to Jeff, it'd probably be twofold. Track your software subscriptions. You have to somewhere, otherwise you forget that they're happening. The accounting system is the most logical place for that for me. And then second, just have an approval workflow with your junior team members to make sure those things aren't being put together in a really wasteful way. Yep, good advice. All right, let's go to the next caller. Patty, welcome, Patty. Hey guys, a question for you about API connectors. Sure. So I use Zapier and make quite a bit, and I keep seeing new API connector tools come out. Yeah, seems like there's another new one out each week. 
not sure if I should be looking into these. A few I've looked at have been cheaper, but I really don't want to transition my stuff. I don't want to worry about the data security with some brand new startup. How do you think about new apps like this, and at what point would you consider using them? What a great question. Thanks, Patty. Yeah, I see these like every week. Your Zapier, Make clones coming in, market keeps growing. Do you pay attention to these, Chad? Like, what's your thought on this stuff? I've got a product hunt feed coming in and you can kind of keep an eye on on these things. But to be honest, you can't tell half the time based on their name what they do. And when you do go look at it, I think the the reservation is like, if something's working like a Zapier or a Make, there's got to be a real good reason to switch. Mm-hmm. And I think some of these tools, they come in either one of two ways, really high end with the support and some really cool features or cheaper. And those cheaper ones, they might give you what you need on one app, but not even close to what you can get in Zapier or make for all the other things you need. So it feels like a a wait and see kind of moment. You see a lot of investment uh, into some of these tools and a lot of them will fail and some of them will take off. Um, So my advice to you, Patty, would be sort of stick to what you know with the Zapiers and the makes of the world. And if you run into some problems that you can't necessarily fix or budget's a real, real issue, that's when you might want to look at something like N8N, which is free and you can, you can try out. But again, these small ones just feels like it's the wild west. How do you feel, Jason? Security is huge with these things because you're just implicitly trusting that you're, you can just pump a ton of data through these things. So you got to know... I guess the system and and trust the system on the other side of it. Like you said, there has to be a compelling use case for them. I think a lot of them come down to cost and I'm always really leery of the low cost systems. Like are they, you know, monetizing by selling data or something like that? It's one of those things where I have to have a level of trust in the company itself. And so I'm going to wait until it's a relatively mature company. It's got funding. It's not something that's going to disappear. And so I'm I'm pretty leery of jumping in early on API connectors. Thanks for the call, Patty. All right, up next, we've got Jake. Jake, you are live. Hi, guys. Hey, Jake. We talked to you a couple weeks ago, didn't we? You sure did. How can we help you? Well, you see, I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> can, can relate there. I, uh, yeah. Yep, same. The problem I have is with you. Uh-oh. The whole woke, I'm going to automate everything mindset. Okay. It all feels um, disconnected. A generation of people growing up without knowing how to put in a hard day's work. Oh, can we cut this Without the satisfaction of doing something for yourself, of sinking time into a time-consuming, repetitive process. Okay. Paul, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen this before. I, I, I can't cut them off. It's like it's jammed or something. They'll never know the peace that comes from licking stamps for an entire afternoon or, or stuffing envelopes. Read you loud and clear, Jake. Thanks for calling. I I can do with my machine. It's completely frozen. Oops. Having a little trouble, are we? 
I'd like to take this opportunity to deliver a message to the people of Automation Town. Guys, he's taking over the show. There's nothing I can do. He's taking over our show? Yeah, yeah I control all deleted. I turn it off and back on again. I open an incognito window. I Paul. I don't know what to do. If you long for a simpler time. Listen to me, Paul. You need to run outside. If Cut the hard line to the, the mainframe. Cut the... Do it, Paul. What do I do? Paul, do it. Well done. I'd like to personally welcome you. Manuelberg. Cut it, Paul! Okay, okay, okay. I found the box. Okay, I'm just gonna cut all the wires. I'm just gonna cut them all. Wow, guys. I think I did it. I don't know. I think I took care of it. What just happened? I knew I recognized that voice. You knew who that was? It was the mayor of Manuelsburg. The mayor of Manuelsburg, that was him? Jacob McCringleberry. Wow. Trying to convince people to move, I bet. To Manuelsburg. Who is it? Buzz. Do you hear all that? Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Statz and edited by Paul O'Mara. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And J Stats CPA. How do you spell that? So there's a J Stats S T A T S. It's a palindrome, but it has CPA at the end, so it's not a palindrome. Right. So if we're following along, J S T A A T S C P A. You did say it right. And if you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center. Or by sending us a fax at 555-947-2022.